and guide. Navigate, listen, and experience the information to gain guidance for your lane. I'm giving real talk and I hope you enjoy this ride. I recently interviewed Faye the Cosmic Love. We went pretty deep. We had an awesome conversation talking about everything from spiritual life to the way the system's set up and experiences that we've gone through and had. I look forward to you listening to our interview. Now enjoy the show. Oh my goodness, I am so happy to see my girl, my sister, Miss Faye, the Cosmic. You have to let us know what it is you have going on. I brought you today because, you know, I wanted to do um, a platform to be able to talk. It's still aligned with my whole education advocacy of what I love. Uh, You know, before I had my podcast and we would talk about like education from all aspects of homeschooling, public school, charter school, private school, all these areas, which, you know, my family, we have been a part of. Now I'm opening it up to talk about the experiences of a minority parent. You know, I look at me, I am a minority minority. Um, we all have experiences that we have gone through, that we've walked through what you've been a part of, what I've been a part of, the life you've lived, the life I've lived. Those are all valid experiences. And I want to be able to create this time for us to talk about that anywhere you want to in that line of education. So thank you so much for joining me, sis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be sitting here with you right now and just sharing space and ideas and perspectives. It's truly an honor. Thank you. I am born Felicia, um, but I was affectionately given the name Faye by my husband, who called who he calls me Faye White because he thinks deep down inside I'm probably a rapper, um, and that <laughs> yes, that's my my given rap name by my husband. Yes, and that transitioned into Faye the Cosmic Love, which is uh, really a lifestyle brand, mm-hmm. um, and. What I do is I'm a spiritual life coach to Black mothers to help them heal through their past trauma so that they can parent more peacefully, which is something I think is so needed in our communities. Absolutely. Um, It took me a while to become a peaceful parent (laughs) and not to be confused with permissive because that I am not. Um, (laughs) And I help Black women discover their divine authenticity you know, who they are without cultural perception, without, you know, who they've been brainwashed into being, you know, who they are at the core of it all, underneath all the layers of pain, you know, and it's very challenging. It's very challenging, but so, so worth it. Mm -hmm. And I allow women to feel safe, metaphorically give them permission to explore who they truly are. Um, I teach them how to create a new blueprint for their lives that's in alignment with nature, with alignment with the source of all creation, and 
become more aware of what their needs are, how to affirm their boundaries, and to see the divinity in their children every day, you know, and it's a struggle, it's a challenge, but it's a, a challenge worth facing. Mm-hmm. So, you I mean, know? no choice, right? We, these, yeah. we birth these children, we bring them into the world, and even if you didn't birth the child, you know, mm-hmm. you still have an obligation to put them on the right path so that they could be productive people in what that means to them, you know? Yes. And I think yes. that's a part that within education, it's, what is it? It's not my job to tell you what you need to be. It's <laughs> us to help guide them in what it is for them to be productive and fulfilled within education yes. to life. How, I, I honestly believe that. And that's absolutely. And for um, all of you guys watching this, I am a mother of 11. I have Woo-hoo! nine daughters. Yes, she's and one, one. Okay. <laughs> Yes, nine daughters and two sons, and my husband and I have been married 16 years, and we've built this beautiful family together, and I find that a major shift that occurred in my parenting, in um, homeschooling my children or unschooling my children, was when I became aware of how unnatural it felt to me to be my kid's boss instead of being my kid's guide. But you said guide. Yes. And I definitely think that friendship comes along with that mm-hmm. because I noticed that for a lot of parents, they treat their friends with more empathy, more compassion than they do their children. Mm-hmm. These are new humans. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it's like to navigate this plane of existence. Mm-hmm. You have more experience than them. The compassion, the kindness, the patience that you were to offer a peer of yours, mm-hmm. those things should not just be relegated to just your your adult friends. Those things should be things offered to your children as well, because you are children's first friend. Yeah. You give them the example of how they should be treated, yeah. that their voice should be heard, that it you should be seen. You know, that your words matter, that your presence matters. And if you can carve out time for brunch with your friends, you can carve out time for brunch with your kids. Adding to what you just said, actually, I'm going through an experience with my child now. She has a friend friend who um, I don't feel like the friendship is both ways. And that's one thing I strive to teach my kids. You know, you have to have a friendship where they respect you just as much as you respect them. If it's just all coming from one direction and it's not being received, then to me, that is not a definition of a friendship and we need to reevaluate what it is that we're doing here. No, um, it's very parasitic. Exactly, exactly. And it's, again, if, if you're eating off of me, you know, you want me to do this, you want me to check this out, you want me to go here, you want me to, um, to like this, you want to show this to me, but when I show you, that energy is... Well, I'm doing something or um, it's fine or okay. No, it needs to be symbiotic. Yes, yes. Um, I'm trying to explain and I, you know, preach that all the time is you want that energy that somebody gives you the same for you to give them. And if you're not feeling it, then guess what? 
push that to the side. There's going to be many people you're going to come across in the future. And you have to know at a young age now, understand how to find the balance and don't just Absolutely. anyone, you know, because you're afraid you won't have someone or you're looking for some validation. So, so much you need to have somebody in your circle who you guys have an awesome time together. And it's, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And because I have so many daughters and, um, I kind of separate them into two sets. I have the big girls and then I have the little girls. Yeah. My 13, 14, 15, 17, and 22-year-old, I tell them all the time, every time you release what no longer serves your greatest good, you make space for what does. Absolutely. That is a form of self-love. Self-care. Self-care isn't always bubble baths and wine and tea and Netflix. Sometimes self-care is just looking at yourself and saying, hey, you know, these people that are in my life, do they genuinely love me? Right. Or do they genuinely love what I can do for them? Right. Right. You know, you can't say that you love the hot sauce, but not the bottle that it's in. You don't have to take it all. (laughs) Right, right. You know, and I try to explain that to them often and just gentle reminders. Mm -hmm. Nobody is owed your time. Your time is one of your greatest resources. Once you spend it, you cannot get it back. You, every second of your day should be investing in yourself. For some, that might sound selfish, but it's the law of sowing and reaping. It is the, the law of return. Every seed of love that you plant in someone mm-hmm. must return to you. It will return to you. So every time you do something good for someone else, it's very... Um, idealistic for somebody to say, you know, just do good for the sake of doing good. You know, don't expect anything in return. Don't expect anything from that person in return, Mm -hmm. but do expect it from the universe. Do expect these things to show up in your life because there must be a return on doing the right thing because a lot of people miss understand that doing the good thing and doing the right thing are not the same. Say it again. Doing the good thing and doing the right thing are not the same. Feels good, you know, and usually it'll get you some type of social accolade, Mm -hmm. a proverbial pat on the back. But many times doing the right thing, um, there's a resistance there Mm -hmm. and you can lose friends. You can um, lose opportunities, you know, sometimes when you're doing the right thing. But the right thing is always in alignment with love. And it's always in alignment with what serves everyone best in the short run and the long run. Mm -hmm. The good thing is temporary. And it's usually very ego-driven, So in terms of our children making friends, I tell them, if you've known this person for one day, that ain't your friend. This is somebody that you just met. Okay. Friendships are forged over time. Right. 
Right. And that's where you get to now take in mm-hmm. and see where it is you sit in that friendship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Friendships should constantly be reevaluated, just like any relationship. With every new season in your life, you should take an audit of your friendships or your so-called friendships, your associations, because every time you are in a relationship, there is an energy exchange and energy is currency. It's, it's cosmic money, you know, especially in a time that we're in right now where everybody is being more conscious on where they're spending their money. Are they they supporting more black businesses? Um, are they supporting minorities? They, people are becoming more aware of the power of their money, mm-hmm. that type of currency. But energy is a current. Mm-hmm. It is cosmic currency. Children need to be taught that the same way you want an allowance and you want to prove to your parents that you're responsible enough to spend your money, you need to be able to spend your energy just as responsibly. If you're pouring your energetic money into relationships and not getting back anything in return, a value, if you're spending your energetic money in relationships where this um, person doesn't respect you, doesn't see your value, you know, okay, you're going to have to pull them coins back. It's time to time to shut down operations and find shut it down. Else. You can no longer be a consumer in right. that relationship right. because I'm giving you something and you're not giving me anything back. You're not respecting me. You're not seeing me. You're not um, valuing what I bring to the table. So there's no reason to have guilt over it or shame over it or really too much disappointment. It's just being aware of, okay, this is the state of things. Do I love myself enough to now distance myself from this relationship so that I can make space in my life for those who do value me, who those who, for those who can love me for who I am and not try to make me into something else, you know, for people who see me, who can um, teach me things because that's another thing. You should never be in a relationship where you're not being taught anything. Even as a child, your friend can't teach you nothing, not to tie your shoe, not how to Google things properly. Um, nothing. Oh, no, their friendship's got to go. It's got to go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You're absolutely right. I'm, uh, oh, man. Well, okay. Let me... um. Let me shift here because, you know, Mm -hmm. we can talk about this all day. Um, Oh, the sisterhood is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask you, you know, going through education as a Mm -hmm. minority, um, what has been your experience? Where where do you want to take this? I mean, do you want to go to when you were potentially a child in school? Do you want to talk about experiences that maybe your children have had um, if they were ever in a you know a systemized education you know program? Um, do you want to talk about um, 
maybe as an educator going out and seeing who the people that you work with, you know, what you've noticed um, as far as dealing with folks in the business aspect, you know, bringing the education that you have to them. What, what do you want to discuss? Cause really this is a, I call it a rap session. Um, it's about us. Just- oh, Faye White in the building. Oh, this is finally coming full circle. Uh Oh, you don't bust the verse. Oh, snap. And, uh, you know, so I, I wanted to be, you know, us just talking, us rapping, us, you know, and sharing our, our experiences and, um, you know, getting this to the masses. So people who don't know are aware and they can become aware and take this and hopefully use it as a catalyst for change or just a heightened awareness if they're an educator or if they're side by side. And so that they do the right thing and not just the good thing. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So I'll give you a quick rundown of uh, my educational background. Um, I was born in New York. I went to kindergarten in PS 121 in Queens. Um, That was a great experience for me. Um, So many different cultures and flavors of life. It was awesome. Um, And then I moved to South Florida, Miami, to be exact. And it was predominantly Black and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to North Miami Elementary, then North Miami Middle. And I went to Design and Architecture Senior High. Um, It's a high school with about 400 students. You have to audition. It's a three-day audition process to get in. You have to have a certain GPA. I got in and that was a beautiful experience because there were literally children from all around the country mm-hmm. there. Um, and then I, I left there and I ended up going to North Miami senior high It's very community based, you know? So uh, all the kids that were there, it's like, these are kids that I grew up with, you know, we all went to the same schools together. Um, I had, by the time I was, I would say in the 10th grade, Mm -hmm. I had completed the majority of my courses already. Um, I've always been very intelligent. Um, Often the teachers would leave me in charge of the class so that they could go do other things, um, whether it was printing worksheets or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would become the teacher very often. So by the time I was a senior I was like a teacher's aide. Yeah. You know, Um, if I was discriminated against during my education in grade school, I wasn't aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But my, again, my focus wasn't there because when I was younger, it's like everybody was good to me. Mm -hmm. And you had, you had the, um, the opportunity of being around just a genre of people, you know, yes. so many that, and I would, would that include your educators as well? Were your teachers? Yes, also? absolutely. Um, they were from everywhere. Um, especially at design and architecture senior high, like we had teachers from all around the world, the best of the best. Wow. And it was a beautiful time for me. Mm-hmm. It really was. And I was blessed in having um, the mother that I did because she had traveled a lot and she was very educated. 
um, not only in the traditional sense, but also in metaphysics and um, theology and uh, just such a broad array of um, information. And she was constantly on me. Like anytime I was learning something new, she would just kind of check in with me and she would ask me very thought-provoking questions. Um, She was big on critical thinking. What do you truly think about this? If you were in that position, you know, how would that make you feel? And what do you think were the, um, what was the catalyst for this event? And, you know, things that my, my teachers weren't asking me, you know, she kind of pushed my comfort zone to become what it is now. Um, After that, uh, my senior year, I actually dropped out of high school. I was married and my mother was always working. So I decided to drop out of school and watch my young brother because I didn't want him in daycare. Mm -hmm. And he was like maybe four years old and he was me. And so I didn't get to walk with my class and I didn't go to prom and, you know, all of those things that are quintessential to the high school experience. Right. I forfeited those for, to educate my little brother, ironically enough. Um, and later on, I ended up going to college. I moved to New York. I went to college. I ended up getting my master's in ministry. Um, by then, you know, my kids are getting a little older. Um, I put my kids in public school while we were in New York. Um, so they did, my oldest one, she did first grade, second grade, and third grade in public school. And what made me pull them out of school was because my daughter came home and she was explaining to me how Christopher Columbus discovered America. I'll just leave you with that. Okay. <laughs> So she says this to me and I am livid. Mm -hmm. I'm not like upset with her or anything because I'm not a psychopath, but I'm just upset that at in this day and age, they are teaching children that Christopher Columbus discovered America. So let me ask you this. Let me mm -hmm. ask you this. Thinking previously to your experience in school in New York, Mm-hmm. Now, years later, her experience in New York, was mm-hmm. it still, what What was the, the thing that you may have noticed that changed or shifted maybe from your education timeframe to hers? Okay. So honestly, nothing. And that was the problem for me because when I was a child and they told me that Christopher Columbus discovered America, um, my mother was present, my grandfather um who is not my biological grandfather. He's white. He is um, English and French. He's a descendant of um, Napoleon. Oh, wow. And yes. And he married my grandmother because like to him, Caribbean women are like the goddesses. That's it and when I'm telling him about because we had to do like a little assignment we had to um draw the Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria Mm -hmm. um Christopher Columbus's ships and he was 
so upset. And he spent so long teaching me how there were people here already. You know, um, Christopher Columbus was an idiot. <laughs> a lost one at that. He was so passionate about it. And th- I think that's my first experience with a white ally. Like now sitting here thinking about it because he he refused to let me believe a lie. Mm-hmm. He, like he made it his point every day to explain to me how magical my melanin was. Yeah. You know, and my mom, oh, my mom was not with it. Like she, I remember her asking me to explain what discovery was. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, so he got there and there were already people there, (laughs) but he discovered it. I was like, yeah. He, she was like, say it again to yourself. Keep saying it to yourself. And then I, I still now, I can remember the feeling I had inside of me. It was like a, a pain, like a tightening. Um, I, right here in my solar plexus. Um, right beneath my rib cage, where it's like the knowledge I had is now being um, challenged. Mm-hmm. And in a way where I felt so uncomfortable and it's like, it was a pivotal moment for me, even though I was a child, Mm -hmm. I have the choice to cling to a piece of information someone has given me or formulate my own independent opinion based on what it makes sense to me. Right. And I chose the latter. And so when my children were going through the same thing and I'm just like, yo, nothing has changed. This is crazy. Like with the amount of information we have available to us, there is no reason in this day and age why these teachers should still be teaching that Christopher Columbus discovered America, especially knowing that plenty of explorers, um, tradesmen had been here prior to that and had been doing so for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. You discovered nothing. And I was like, I refuse to send my children back into the system of indoctrination. That's it. And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, like, I hadn't homeschooled legitimately before, you know? Like, of course, I had taught my little brother and stuff before he got into school, but... I didn't really have any research under my belt or anything. All I had was my intuition. And the intuition of a mother is powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the mama bear came out. And I was just like, because it felt like a war on my children. It felt like a direct attack on my children's um, intellect, on their sovereignty, on their worth. Mm -hmm. Because although we, you know, my family isn't indigenous to America, we're indigenous to the Caribbean islands. And my husband's family, a part of it is indigenous to the Americas. 
And so you saying these things felt like you're attacking my children. You're lying to my children about who they are, Mm -hmm. what their worth is, you know, their place in history, their place in the world. And I'm not going to stand for that. And so that was what began my um, journey as a homeschool mother. Warring against the machine. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, I think a lot of a lot of parents, you know, have the revelation. But Mm -hmm. it's like, again, like we talked about, you know, a little earlier. What do you do with it? How do I act? upon it you know I know I'm sending my kids every day but I don't have any other option this is what I must do so what do I do with it you know how can I know within myself I'm constantly on you know girl I could tell you I had an argument with my child's elementary school okay with the guidance counselor back and forth on representation of things in the school for Black History Month. Why am I arguing with you? And, you know, he was an older white woman. And um, (laughs) I just, because I would try to make it my point to go to the school. I was actually the parent who was in the classroom with the kids helping them read. I, I would that was me. I told the teacher, I was like, hey, to the teacher now, now, well, this is the guy in the counselor is a separate thing. Yeah. But I told the teacher, I was like, hey, I would love to come in here and I could just have a little section in the corner and the kids can come and practice their reading. I even brought my own books, beginner books, so they could continue practicing. You know, oh, what do you need me to do? I'll help you. Okay, you don't have time to do the spelling word testing. Okay, I'll help them with the words and see where they're at. I was that parent. So if I'm coming in the school on a regular, and mind you, <laughs> when my kids came in the school, it was towards the second half of the year because we had just moved. Mm-hmm. So um, it was January when I enrolled them in because they were homeschooled prior to that. So yeah. because of my workload, as far as what I was doing, um, you know, I was into school, graduate school, and I was like, I just can't do both. This is not going to work. And sometimes, you know, you, like you said, you have to sacrifice um, mm-hmm. also yourself to to get to the next levels that you're trying to do. And that's what I did. Yeah. I, you know, as, oh man, I'm putting them back in the system, but it was, it, I had to make a decision in this time. So yeah. And you did what was right for you at the time. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, putting them in, I'm coming in, in a January halfway the school year and being that parent shows you, okay, she's probably not like the rest of them. If I haven't had that from all the parents who started this school year, mm-hmm. you know? but then now for me to be arguing, with the, the guidance counselor over, I'm walking in the, by the cafeteria. You have a huge board here, but it, why don't we have any figures of people who have been influential? And it doesn't have to just be black. There are many people of many races that these kids, when they walk into this one spot, they come every day, the lunchroom, that they could be looking at. But the fact that I'm telling you that, and you're talking, you're coming clapping back at me, Oh, well, it's up to the teachers. They can put things up or they have these programs that they, they can choose to do. Well, this is not about the teacher individually, because, again, you as administration already know these teachers are swamped with whatever it is that you have them doing. So there's it nothing- all boils down to them. their minority students not being um, a priority. Exactly. And that's how I felt. I felt they're just warm bodies in seats. 
the, the principal was amazing, you know, even many of the staff there, but when I'm walking through and I'm seeing the paras are more the African-Americans, you know, that kind of gets, gets under your skin a little bit. When you're, yeah. when you're seeing in a school where there's 50, 50, 50% of these kids are minority and only two minority teachers, there's a problem. We have there's, to Yeah, disproportionate in terms of educators. We, okay, so when we're in New York, they're going to school in Suffolk County. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Bell, Creamer Street Elementary, which is in Bellport. Bellport is a very small um, riverside town. Long Island is, you know, surrounded by water. Um, it is a beautiful town. But I can tell you this because we moved from there uh, maybe four years ago. Literally, the black people are separated from the white people by a train track. Hmm. Like, for real. I cannot make this up. We lived on the street right where the train track is, okay? <laughs> as soon as you cross the street, the price of the homes are almost double the amount of the homes on the street I live on. Wow. Same looking house, though, I'm guessing. The same. It's the same, okay? The same. Once and everything for the community is on the white side. The library, um, Main Street, the, the water front, um, everything is on the white side. On the black side, where all the houses look exactly the same as the white side, that's where all the crime is, the drugs, the drug dealers, the ratchetry, all of that on the black side. All these young white kids who want to do foolishness come to the black side to do their foolishness and then go across the tracks back to their house to sleep in safety and security. Their elementary school is a blend. All of the kids that live in Belport go to Prima Street Elementary and there is no other elementary unless you go to the next town over. It was so perplexing to me how little minority educators they had. Because there were white teachers driving from Queens, which is like almost an hour drive every day to come teach at Creamer Street Elementary. So you mean to tell me you have teachers coming from out of town mm -hmm. to come teach here. Y'all couldn't find more black teachers? Mm -hmm. I find that hard to believe. And don't get me wrong, a lot of them are very sweet and they genuinely love the children. But they're also in this white bubble. Like, you know, the people who don't see color. Another thing that made me say, okay, this is the last straw was my daughter. Um, the She's currently 14, Kiki. She was having a discussion with a boy and she was in the second grade. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the boy said that God isn't real. God doesn't exist. And she said that she thinks that God is real. And he said that that's stupid. And so she is saying, well, if everything has a maker, how come we don't have a maker? Everything has to have a maker and the maker is God. And he was like, that doesn't even make any sense. And this, that, and the third. And she was like, well, it's okay if you don't think it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's okay. Like, you're still my friend. Right. And a teacher um, who overheard gave her detention and called me because she said that school is not a place to talk about religion. And that she was being disrespectful and this, that, and the third. I said, I know my Kiki. Kiki's not disrespectful at all. So can you tell me what happened throughout the conversation? Now, the security guard is black. The security guard, um, apparently that day they were going to be putting on a play because they're in the cafeteria. They were going to be putting on a play. So he was recording and the entire conversation was recorded. Wow. What are the odds of that? I know. Now, this lady is going so hard talking about how Kiki was bashing this little boy because he's an atheist and this, that, and the third. And, like, for me, it just sounded so, like, out of pocket. Like, I'm with my baby every day. Kiki is not going ham on anybody especially not about god and she's in the second grade like she might fight you if you say that hannah montana is better than somebody else like Kiki's not having these grandiose um mystical conversations in the lunchroom and so the the security guard is like um when i go for the meeting he was like oh i got it on camera she now looks like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she wasn't even there. The little boy comes and tells her about the conversation after she asked, Hey, what were you two talking about? He tells her what they were talking about. And then she creates her own story. The principal, he is a white guy. Um, He's so sweet. And while we're in this meeting, he's like, that doesn't sound like Kiki at all. Like, because he knows all of the kids. And, you know, I have a lot of kids. So the Rogers kids make up a, you know. (laughs) They're a lunch table. They're a lunch table. (laughs) You know, I got a few. So, And me and my sister lived in the same house. So, me, me and my sister had kids the same day in the same hospital right next door to each other. Oh my God. Um, I had Kiki and she had her son, Stefan. So we call them twin cousins. He's there too. And the principal is like, that's not, that's not true. Like, why would you say that about this beautiful little girl? The security guard already showed me what happened and you weren't even there. Right. And it's like, imagine if the principal didn't care about the videotape. Imagine if the principal um, just took the teacher's word for it, you know, even though Kiki is trying to defend herself. And why giving out detention by second grade? I don't understand that part. Right. And the principal is like, 
these small children have the right to learn from each other. They have the right to grow. If she's talking about um, what she believes in, in a respectful manner, she's not violent at all. She's having a discussion that should be respected. No, there's no detention for that. And he reprimanded the teacher. And the Christopher Columbus thing ended up happening a couple of weeks after that. But that situation already had my blood boiling. Yeah. Don't have me coming out to this school to talk to you guys about child's right yeah. to discuss a very common topic. And she's doing it respectfully. Like you would think that she said, oh, I hate you because you're an atheist. And I think all atheists should burn in hell. Like, bro, relax. <laughs> like she is like, how old was he? I think she was like seven years old. Yeah. Like you guys are dragging it, bro. Like you're dragging it. And the fact that I send my kids to school every day to be taught by people like you is problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about what actions to take, once you come to this realization, like, hey, this is not serving my child's greatest good. Um, once you have that awareness, get it out of your head that there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Because we are resourceful people. We are so resourceful and you do not need, please, anybody who's listening to this, who has the same feeling, please remember, you do not need to be a genius to homeschool your kids. You do not. Because when I first started, uh, my husband was like, Hey, you're smart. Like, I, even if you only get them through elementary, like it's better than nothing. Like you could teach elementary. You did good in elementary fate. Come on. <laughs> and you know, that already kind of got my head spinning. Like, okay, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I got that. Um, it, this is 2020 right now. And the amount of resources, free resources, we have available to us in terms of educating each other and ourselves is so, so far beyond what we've ever had in the past. Mm-hmm. You literally have the greatest minds alive at your fingertips. Utilize your resources. You have to take an audit of your resources and figure out how to shift things, how to use things, you know, to educate yourself and your child. If you come to the realization that homeschooling is, um, could be beneficial to your family, you say, okay, well, I might not have what it takes to teach my child, but I can learn with my child. Yep. That's it right there. Yep. Because the majority of our learning has taken place after we left school. You didn't stop learning once you got your diploma or you got your degree. Mm -hmm. Every day, you're constantly learning things. You get on social media, you scroll, you get to a post, and you be like, oh my God, I didn't know that happened. Right. 
oh my God, I don't know anything about this. Hold on, let me research. And you can bring that same mentality into your child's life, into your life. You should be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. Whenever you stop learning, you stop expanding. We are expansive. Mm -hmm. You can learn with your child. I'm homeschooling uh, eight children right now. All right? Half the stuff that they're learning, I just be like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> some of them, <laughs> because I, I allow them to follow their interests. Mm-hmm. You know, because if your passion is in it, you'll be happy to spend countless hours researching, right. you know, doing activities around that. And sometimes I'm just like, what? Why do I care about Korean pop music? <laughs> Why? Who are these people? Like, that's what I'm saying in my head. Right. But it's like, hey, like, to my mom, my love for NSYNC was a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> I love NSYNC. <laughs> So I'm going to put my preferences and my ego to the side to learn about these things alongside my child. Okay, let's watch some videos. Right. You know, let's right. um research um let's research the introduction of get, pop music in Korean cu- culture. What happened? How did he get his eyebrows that arched? <laughs> Hello. Was it threaded? Right. Was it waxed? Right. Somebody got to tell me. Um, and you know what? Those are three different areas that now we could learn about. Yes. Yes. Um, and you can do it together. As soon as you start telling yourself you don't have time to teach your child, it's a problem. Join me next time for part two of my interview with Fade the Cosmic Glove. You've been listening to Real Talk Education Lanes with Targan Wade Jones.